0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is now Monday, June 29th. What a time to be alive. I'm 39 years old, having celebrated my birthday last week. I don't think I got corona over the weekend. That's exciting. And uh, we're going to spend the week breaking down top 10 rankings, uh, the the very smart writers at CBSports.com. Um I didn't do any of them. I don't know how I got out of that. I don't care. Uh, but we're going to talk offensive linemen with Tyler Sullivan today, Sean Wagner-McGuff, quarterbacks coming up. Uh, we're also going to do running backs with Patrick Walker later in the week and uh, receivers with Jared Dubin, Plus, breach with some specialists, and Cody Benjamin talking tight ends. So tons of fun guests to talk to on these top tens. Uh, conveniently, since it's Monday and Cam Newton is now – I don't know if he's signed with the Patriots, but he is signing with the Patriots. We can bring on our good friend Sully from Boston. We'll talk talk, talk some Cam Newton. We'll talk some Patriots. Um I don't know if you heard this, Sully, but uh the Patriots were also penalized for filming the Bengals. Nobody's talking about it. Do you think that do you think Bill Belichick announced Cam Newton as a way to distract everybody? Is he playing six did he did he purposely injure Cam Newton's foot a year ago in the preseason against the Patriots in order to sign him and later distract the world from this penalty? Is this six dimensional chess that, that uh Bill Belichick's playing?
1: Exactly. He knew to injure Cam Newton because he knew <laughs> later on in the season he was going to videotape a, a Browns-Bengals game and then, and then <laughs> get punished by the league. It, it, it is just, it is a masterclass in public relations. He's like Biff
0: mean, with the sports almanac. Like oh he's, he's so far it's ahead. Un- it's
1: unbelievable, uh, yeah. the, the, timing of it all because, you know, I, you know, as the Cam Newton stuff's coming down, I'm writing a, a column on it and all of a sudden you get the notification. Yup. Here comes the penalty because we were waiting for when this was going to happen. I mean, you know, I, I guess maybe we thought it was going to go away. I, I don't know what the what the ultimate uh, end game was. I mean, I thought it was going to happen before the 2020 draft, you know, or at least we're getting close to it. I'm saying, hey, listen, the Patriots got to know if they're going to be docked a draft pick somewhere here, but. You know, that ended up being, uh, right, right in the thick of the Cam Newton news. So it takes well, the entire A block away.
0: And now they won't get a compensatory pick if Cam plays well and then walks next year. They'll get it the year after that. But I mean, still like you can, it could end up being a net wash. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, um, I don't want to call anybody out for it, but it is like it does, it is a benefit if you're the Patriots that, you know, the tweets come out about Cam Newton first and everybody's scrambling for the Cam Newton stuff. And then this, the penalties. I mean, like really, like, they might as well not exist. I mean, they do, of course they exist. The Patriots are fined A million bucks. I mean, whatever. Like that's, that's nothing in, in the Patriots coffers at the end of the day. The third round draft pick matters. I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, what is it? Top 100. I mean, it's a top 100 pick. So that's, that's something, but it doesn't feel like anybody is talking about it because of camp.
1: Well, as crazy as it sounds, like you know the the Tom Brady compensatory pick or or, or Kyle Van Noy or one of those guys, one of those key pieces they lost in free agency. A, a lot of Patriots fans like yeah. to pump up. Well, we're going to get a third round compensatory pick. We're going to have a bunch of them because the Patriots really didn't do anything in free agency of note to kind of counteract that formula. Now you're already going to be down one of those third round picks. So that that is something to take note of next year.
0: Um, all right. So you wrote about Cam Newton and uh Bill Belichick finds low risk high reward option as Tom Brady's successor. I couldn't agree more and we talked about it on the Cam Newton Emergency podcast. This is, do you think this has been in the works for a while um or was this Cam dropping his asking price and the Patriots finally jumped on it? Um do you and and do you think that this is an indication of how they feel about Jared Stidham or just more about all right, we have an opportunity to get Cam?
1: Well, I think it's a couple of those factors. Like, I do think that they were in contact at various points throughout the offseason. But I would, you know, I would assume the first time that they talked, Cam Newton wanted to be a starter, wanted to be paid like a starter in the NFL. And the Patriots say, well, our backs are completely against the salary cap. Well, we can't do that. And so we'll we'll kind of continue to monitor the situation and go from there. And as the offseason progresses, Newton's market just really doesn't materialize at all. And, you know, all of a sudden you start to get closer and closer to training camp and it's looking more like, it's going to be a completely different training camp preseason than we've ever seen before, which may now all of a sudden reduce the injuries to potential players. You know, if you're not, if you're not practicing as much, if you're not have as many, as many preseason games as it's rumored to go down to two, it's just going to limit injuries throughout the, throughout the league. So all of a sudden Cam Newton's looking at a situation where, okay, maybe some of these quarterbacks don't get injured. I can't find a starting spot. And now I'm just completely on the street. At least now in New England, he can go into camp contend for the job and go from there. So I don't think this, and going to your Stidham point, I I still don't rule out the fact that Stidham could be the guy. Like, you know, I think what we're looking at here with Cam Newton is the Patriots were able to get a former league MVP for nothing. I mean, he's taking the, the, you know, a veteran minimum and he can make a maximum of seven and a half million dollars. But like, we we don't know if he's actually going to hit that or not, and it's really not going to impact the Patriots at all. So they're looking at a guy with with just a ton of upside if he's healthy, and if it doesn't work out, because we've seen that in the past too, veterans come in. I know it's not quarterbacks, but we've seen other veterans, particularly like wide receivers come in. Bad Ocho
0: Cinco, Albert exactly. or, or
1: Or Reggie Wayne comes in and completely flames out. Eric her Decker her. was a – yep, there you go. Exactly, those guys. So like – you could see that and Belichick would have no problem cutting a guy like that. And then we'll be right back to where we were a couple of days ago. We're all thinking Jared Stidham's the starting quarterback here. So, you know, I think it just gives them another option to look at here as they're going into the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. There's three probable outcomes in all of this or like, I, I think, I mean, maybe there, maybe there's more in like, you know, Brian Hoyer, uh, eats, you know, like Martian steroids and turns right. into,
1: you know, gets bit, uh, gets bit uh, by a uh, spider, man, turns into Spider Man, and he
0: just right, 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 it. or bitten by yes, exactly. Brian Horner bitten by a radioactive spider, and then all of a sudden is the best quarterback in football. That that is technically out there, but not. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're going to pass on the, on the ones out of the realm of possibility. I mean, oh, one, 2020, it's like, you never know. <laughs> that's, that's true. He's stung by a murder hornet. <laughs> like Cam and Jared cinema are both stung by murder hornets. Sure. You know what? Anything or the, uh, the sandstorm. Did you, did, did you see the sandstorm last week? It does. It's yeah. Nothing surprises like, me at this point. Did that come from? Uh, the preacher, at the wedding I was at actually on, uh, on Saturday was like, he's like, look, neither. He's like, neither murder hornets, nor sandstorms, nor quarantines. is <laughs> like, can keep love at bay. Um, it's true. Yeah. Anyway, more than likely, Cam Newton is completely, Cam, just walk through the past. Cam is completely healthy and he wins the job and he is the Patriots quarterback and he plays well. Uh, then there's the Cam isn't healthy, at which point I think he probably gets cut or stood and beats him out or maybe, maybe the Patriots just keep him on the pup list and keep him inactive and they're like, look, we're not paying you much. So we're going to keep you around. Uh, and then, you know, the third very unlikely option is a Cam is healthy and Stidham beats him out anyway, which, that's best-case scenario for the Patriots. That means Stidham's a monster and he's going to play well. Because if Cam is healthy, he's going to be an impact player. My theory, Sully, is that the Patriots want to run the heck out of the ball. They believe adding Cam will give them an opportunity to improve the run game because that's what Russian quarterbacks do. And that in this pandemic-shortened offseason where there's a lot unknown about how much practice time teams will have, that they can bring Cam in and simplify the playbook in addition to now, all of a sudden you don't like, to me, there's no pressure for Cam Newton to follow Tom Brady. And I know that's weird because Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, but like it's Cam. I don't know. He shows up. He's healthy. He follows Tom Brady. He's a different quarterback. He's not trying to be the next Tom Brady, which is what Jared Stidham was going to have to be. And that kind of pressure that you put on Stidham is really, really difficult.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, and the other thing too is, Again, we're looking at a, a 2020 season that's going to be unlike any season that we've seen teams. before. Who knows? And, and what does Bill Belichick like more than anything? He likes value and he likes depth. And – for the longest time, you know, he was been able to have you know two quarterbacks on the roster, whether it's like Jimmy Garoppolo or, or Jacoby Brissett or who or Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham last year. Now you might actually want to go into a season with three quarterbacks on the roster because you never know, like what happens. Okay, let's go down this the rabbit hole of like Brian Hoyer yeah. in
0: a bubble, and he's your he's your he's your break glass in case of emergency.
1: Exactly, or or, or or like you're saying, Jared Stidham is a guy that's been in the system for a while, and if Cam Newton wins the job, you're still going to need guys behind him. In the event that you know he, you know somebody gets sick or, or somebody gets injured, I mean you can just play those games all day long. So I think Belichick's looking at this from a standpoint of he's amazingly cheap. The, the talent, if right, is could immediately put you in Super Bowl contention because again you can just run the heck out of the ball, play defense, and, and go from there. And two, if he does work out, and, and this is something I was mentioning earlier, if all of a sudden if this Cam Newton thing works out and he is perfectly healthy, he's on a, a super cheap deal it's because the Patriots are completely, their are backs against the wall in the salary cap. Next year, they have the sixth most cap space in the entire NFL. So now you can sign Cam Newton to whatever you want. And he's only 31 years old going into this season. So, I mean, like, it is a perfect storm of sorts for Cam Newton because he has an opportunity that he really probably wouldn't have. He doesn't need runs. money.
0: He doesn't need money. And this is the only possible starting job left out there, barring an injury. He doesn't need the cash. You want to play. You can play for Belichick. And look, if he goes in there and they win 12 games and they go make a deep playoff run or, God forbid, like beat Tom Brady in Tampa Bay on CBS in the Super Bowl, which would be delightful, if all that happens, Cam's not going to be like, sorry, Bill. I'm going to take 20 million from the, or like from the, the Jaguars. Like, no, he's going to re-sign it probably at like a decent cost and boost up his legacy and end up going to the Hall of Fame playing for Bill Belichick for five more years. So, I mean, yeah, there's no downside. I, there, I, I can't find the downside. Like, what's The, the downside is like you cripple Jared Stidham's confidence and Jared Stidham was a fourth round pick. I mean, like, and I know I said, I tweeted earlier in this offseason, like, you know, the Patriots are telling us they like Jared Stidham. I don't think this changes that. Like, this no, I, is a no. minimum salary deal for one year. It doesn't say Jared Sidham is dead to us. We're going to full-blown cam. There's, this is, this is like, hey, listen, Jared, you know, we're, we got a chance to bring in an MVP. You know, you got you get, you, there's, there's no pressure on you, pal. Go out, play, be yourself. You win the job, more power to you.
1: And I've heard like a narrative today too, saying like, oh, you can't have, Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham on the roster because it's going to be a completely different offense. I don't really see that being the case. If anything, if you're talking like stylistically in terms of skill set, I think that they're more close together in terms of talent than like Stidham and Brian Hoyer or Cam Newton and Brian Hoyer. I think it's they're and Brady. completely different. Sure. Yeah. And so, and, you know, Because I think that Stidham is actually pretty mobile. Now he's not Cam Newton, but he is a guy that can run the football. We saw as much as in the preseason. So you can still incorporate RPOs and bootlegs and all that stuff. Can you do it to that effect as Cam Newton does if he's at the peak of his powers no I don't think so but you can still run a very similar offense and have a very similar game plan intact if you have Stidham and Cam Newton on the
0: he ran a uh, 4-8-1 at the combine two years ago 31 inch vertical leap. I mean you know 7-2-8-3 cone one one 10 yard split on that 42 3 split on the 20 like he's a, he's a really athletic guy I mean what's weird is that because they're both Auburn guys but they didn't they didn't run Stidham at all at Auburn, and it's like the, the, the same coach, like Gus Malzahn. Oh, well, I guess Malzahn was Gene Chizik's offensive coordinator for Cam, and then Malzahn was it was Malzahn's offense, uh, you know, when when uh when hit Stidham was there, but they didn't run him at all, which is is just very bizarre.
1: It's Stidham's entire college path, I mean, you can really dig yeah. into it. It is just, it is a topsy turvy thing. So, you know, I I think he just square peg round hole at Auburn, even though he does have some of the skill sets that would work.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I agree completely. Um, what, uh, where do you stand on the, well, did you think the Patriots were the favorites before Cam?
1: Uh, no, I probably would have given it to the Bills. I mean, just because, again, continuity, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with Stidham if he was the starter. Like, you know, that that's what we were under the assumption before this Cam Newton news. Like, you don't know what you're going to get from him. At least Josh Allen has shown you something. I like Sean McDermott. I like the Bills defense. Like, that one, it just made a lot of sense for them to be the favorites to go into it. And, and even still, I mean, we don't know exactly what the Patriots offense is going to look like. I mean, Cam Newton's extremely talented and, and, and could easily elevate everybody, but... He's gonna to have to do that in a really quick time here whenever he gets to town. Like you gotta it's we're starting up really soon here. Yeah. Whereas Josh Allen, I mean, he just has to get on the same page with, with like Stefan Diggs, but but overall he he has everything under under control there. So that's gonna be something to see how quickly and in, in historically the Patriots are kind of slow out of the gate. So I'd be curious to see what would uh what Buffalo's gonna do as they start the first like month of the season.
0: And look, here's the other thing too, is that with Cam Newton. You know he can be 100% going into the season. That doesn't mean that he's going to be able to play 16 games. Like I really think this Lisfranc injury, you just don't know how your foot and your body is going to respond to that type of injury. I was texting uh, Humburger. I texted Brady Quinn. Um, the uh, Brady and I were texting because I was like, I was curious because I'm writing something for CBS about the about Cam's injury history and, and sort of what we might expect. Um, and I was I was just curious because Brady had Lisfranc surgery a year ago. Now he suffered the Lisfranc injury in in the NFL. And then didn't have the surgery for like you know half a decade. So like that's a whole different ball game. You know you have you know you're 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 walking around you're living life with that until you have it done, right? I mean it's it's different. But he said his uh he said his striking gait had changed a bit, um you know and and that he uh he's had to like alter how he works out to limit his foot soreness and sort of could find himself overcompensating a bit, which I think is that's what you have to wor- worry about with Cam Newton. Like, if he's running a ton and he suffers another, like, is he gonna, that was the thing for me, his accuracy in 2019 against, uh, against Tampa Bay and to a degree, um, I guess against the Rams as well. He, you could see it wasn't his arm. He just couldn't step in, he couldn't like, his footwork was totally thrown off. And if, If that happens again, I don't think he'll be able to operate the Patriots offense because it needs to be short, quick timing hits.
1: And it's not even really that. I mean, it's part of that, but it's also overcompensating for the injury. Like, you know, know, you're not, you know, you you really can't move around as much as you could or you're favoring one side of your leg and then you open yourself up to another injury because that side of your body's working overtime to compensate for what's going on over here. So that's something that's going to have to be, you know, looked at. I think the Patriots. You know, Bill, you know, and I thought this was really telling, and I wrote, and I used this quote in the story that I wrote, uh, last night, it's still up on CBS Sports. You know, Belichick's quote prior to the NFL draft, he was asked about, you know, are you gonna draft, like, Tua or something like that, like, but he just said, listen, we did everything over the last 20 years, and I'm paraphrasing, to really make everything great for Tom Brady, but that's not necessarily you know, we're not married to it. Whoever quarterback comes in, whatever wherever he's talented, we're going to highlight that. And I think we've seen that over the course of his career at other positions. We're just kind of so used to just seeing the Patriots play one way. But now I do think you're going to see them step into a more modern day, even if it's, even if it's Stidham or even if it's, it's Cam Noon. I don't think it really matters. I mean, maybe. I, mean, I think Belichick
0: saw like what Lamar Jackson did to him last year and was like, man, I wish I could do that. Well, the thing is the Patriots loved Lamar Jackson coming out I mean I remember Josh
1: mcDaniels had a private workout with him and it really felt like they were gonna gonna draft him and he, had,
0: he was on the clock when they took Sony Michelle unfortunately and then the
1: Ravens come up and the rest is history so you know it's just it's one of those things where you know you miss and, and all that and maybe they didn't want to do it because you would really have to reshape the offense behind Brady like you know Brady and Lamar Jackson talk about Polar opposites in terms of skill sets for quarterbacks, so that does make sense a little bit. I mean, I, I think that you know, like I said with Stidham and, and Newton, I think it, you can kind of get away with it a little bit more. But you know, you're just not going to completely overhaul an offense if Tom Brady goes down.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think too that was the 2017 draft. So like, they had just won a, they just lost the Super Bowl. Debo,
1: I, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Just Are they just lost Eagles the Eagles
0: Super Bowl. Debo. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So I mean, like, they just lost the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady had the second most passing yards in the Super, you know, like, or maybe the most, whatever it was, like, they were, he was still playing at a high level. So I mean, I think, I always think it was probably tough for Belichick at that point in time to convince Robert Kraft to take a quarterback in the first round. And, and uh, anyway, they didn't, they didn't get Lamar Jackson, but it's clear that, that Bill Belichick, and I think Josh McDaniels too, he drafted, he drafted Tim Tebow in the first round, has had an affinity for running quarterbacks that believed it was something they could do. But as you point out, Sully, like, you know, Tom Brady's there for 20 years. Like what what are you going to do? Kick Tom Brady the curb and like you know, I mean, you're not it's not going to happen. All right, let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk about the top offensive linemen in all of football. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family.
1: Technology, marketing, and creative, legal, and administrative, and customer support.
0: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so you had the uh, enviable task of breaking down offensive linemen. Uh, were, was this your um, was this your first choice? Did you did we, were people like, hey, we need top ten? You're like, you know what? I love grinding on OL tape. Give give it, gimme, gimme, or no.
1: I basically drove down to the Fort Lauderdale offices, banging on the door. The I, I needed not just the offensive tackle. I needed the interior lineman. I needed all of this. And so yeah. I was camping out. It was, I was like uh, the girl from Hunger Games screaming, I volunteer. It was, it was the whole, it was the whole shebang.
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot that uh, you're, you're a tribute. Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, the guy, the guy who, uh, sp- whatever, like threw a spear through your heart was uh, no one, no no one sort of Taylor the himself. Yes. Who I believe tweeted this list, or F this list, I believe was his tweet. Something along, the, along those lines.
1: He said it was disrespectful. I think Lane Johnson came in over the top. I think he fake newsed me. It was, it was, uh, I was not so looking at so
0: What are these guys? It is interesting how these guys interact more now than they used to. Like we, cause we've been doing these top 10 lists forever and like you just wouldn't, nobody'd would see him. You know, maybe, maybe like, you know, like a one or two active guys on social media. Um, is Lane, was Lane Johnson mad that he was eight? on the tackle list? Or... I don't know because he was responding to
1: Taylor Luan, so I don't know if it was he was Yeah, was the as I was
0: saying, was he mad that Taylor Luan wasn't on the list? Right. I will say I take I take some umbrage here that Trent Williams is sixth. I think you I, I think you screwed up there. I don't I don't disagree with and see this is part of the problem too. Were you ranking for twenty twenty or ranking at this moment in time?
1: Heading into twenty twenty is kind of, that's, kind of that's what tough. I had
0: in my head. That's tough because they're not getting that explanation on social media, right, and people right. don't read the intros. Um, like Trent Williams, I think might even be too low by the time we get out of twenty twenty. Like this time next offseason, maybe we're like Trent Williams, just two or three. But right now, like if you're just talking about right now in this moment, maybe Trent. You know, maybe you go Taylor Llewone instead of Trent Williams. But uh, the top ten tackles, David Bakhtiari. That's a very nice choice. Some people think he's. The most important player on the Packers. Ronnie Stanley at two, Tyron Smith at three, Ryan Ramchek at four, Mitchell Schwartz at five, Trent Williams six, Teron Armstead at seven, Lane Johnson eight, Laramie Tunsil nine, and Lyle Collins, uh ten. Just missed Taylor Lewan, Anthony Costanzo, Jack Conklin, Jake Matthews, and Mike McGlinchey. I, I don't really I don't really have a problem with the list to be perfectly honest.
1: And you know what was interesting, you you know, you make the list and you kind of tweak it here and there. Looking, you know, after I finished it kind of looked like, you know, 10,000 feet above it. You could really make the case, you know, you really from like one to eight. So, you yeah. know, Bakhtiari to like Lane Johnson, you could say that that's like the first tier and you could make the case that either any one of those players should be higher or lower and go from there. It's when you go to like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, that's I think another whole tier there. And Taylor One could easily have, have jumped into that eight, to eight, you know, nine, 10 area. It wouldn't have surprised me at all. So. What all, what all just, did you just lean just on? For- thing. You have to make a call. No,
0: no, it's, it's hard. I mean, and again, like, It's it's a it's not like you're can be like this guy had 35 passing touchdowns. He's number three. You know what I mean? It's you're you're grading offensive linemen. Did you lean on PFF or Sports Info? Like, did you have any? Uh, analytics that you leaned PFF, on
1: fo- football outside yeah pff football outsiders you know yeah. you're looking at those a lot and just the overall play of the offensive line too i mean you can you, you can find stats if you really want to i mean sure. and then also you can just kind of just go gut with it too like hey listen i know that this guy's great like i don't need to look up a ton of research to say that Quentin Nelson is the best interior offensive lineman in the NFL. Right. Like, I, I don't need to, I don't need I, to. I, it's I it's like the
0: line for 30 Rock. It's Like, do you like Phil Collins? It's like, I got two eyes and a heart, don't I? Like, do you, like, do you think Quentin <laughs> Nelson's the best guard in football? It's like, I got two eyes and a heart, right? Like, I don't, like, I don't need, yeah, I don't, I, I can watch Quentin Nelson on a day to day basis. I agree with that. And I think the offensive line, what's interesting too is for offensive linemen is tougher because a tackle Now like you incorporated a bunch of right tackles. Like Lane Johnson and Mitchell Schwartz are, you know, I mean Lyle Collins, like these guys are important pieces of their offensive line. It's not like it's not like back in the day when you would take, all right, you know, if you're if you're a crappy left tackle, you're on the right side. You know, it's like like if you're a good tackle, you play left. Now it's like people have guys on the on the right side who are almost better than guys on the left.
1: Yeah, it really doesn't matter all too much anymore. I think we're kind of realizing that like you you need you know, good tackles no matter where you can get them. But whether it's left side, right side, it doesn't matter. It, but going back to, like, kind of how I determine things, like, yes, you use PFF, you, you use all those things, but also you kind of got to look at the quarterbacks, too. Like, that's what determined number one for me, between number one and number two. Like, you, know, you have Bakhtiari blocking for Aaron Rodgers, who holds the ball a lot longer than most quarterbacks. And, he, he, and it's not like, you know, Ronnie Stanley, where you have Lamar Jackson, he makes one or two reads, and he has the ability to take off and your job's done. Aaron yeah. Rodgers is sitting there a little bit more, so you have to look at that and say, listen, I, I know that Stanley was was first team all NFL, you know, all, all pro and all that. Like he, he has the accolades and, and maybe statistically had a better season than Bakhtiari, but like his job is way harder blocking for Aaron Rodgers than it is for Lamar Jackson. And that's not his fault. It right. just is what it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not you don't have a I mean, you have a mobile quarterback, but not a guy who's like doing a bunch of run. Like Ronnie Stanley's getting downhill a lot. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's much, it's much more difficult. So, um, all right. What about, uh, what do you, you like my Trent Williams comeback player of the year call then?
1: I don't, I don't mind it at all. I mean, listen, he could easily jump into the, you know, take the number one spot for all I know. Like it's so hard to judge him because the last time we saw him, he was a top three tackle in the NFL, like one of the best seven straight Pro Bowls, like just an absolute Monster. The problem is we just haven't seen him in a year because he was, he was dealing with gripes with the Redskins. Now he's on the 49ers. What's that going to look like? So it's, it's hard because you have to take the snapshot of what you saw, but then at a year of age and does that help? I believe he's going to be like 31, 32 years old going into the next season. You know, does age catch up to him? Was a year off good? Uh, Who knows? I'm going on the fact that I think it was a good thing for him. He's on a new team seemingly you know it's crazy that they're going from you know just elite left tackle play they're not missing missing a beat with Trent Williams there on the blind spot. I get like, better it's just it's, unbelievable, it might be an upgrade. it's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable yeah so you know uh, it, it, I, I love it but you know it's just one of those things you kind of gotta go with your gut on that one I know that he's a probably a top three top five tackle in the league but I left him out of there because just we haven't seen it yet come show me and then we can easily you know move that thing around
0: what uh by the way current 50 to 1 for Trent to win, uh, comeback player of the year. What, uh, was the, was the Taylor Lewan Lane Johnson thing the worst, like, the worst, like, clap back you got on that, for lack of a better term?
1: Uh, yeah, that, those are the, the highest profile, like, you know, hey, what are you doing, blah, 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 which, listen, that's great. I love it. I, if, if all of a sudden Lane, you know, if Lane Johnson or, or Taylor Lewan they take this list, they put it in the back of their locker and have an all pro, first team all pro season. No one would be happier than me. Like it, it <laughs> would be, it would be great. I, I can, I can tell my grandkids that story. I can pull up their Wikipedia page and say, that's kind of because of me. Like it's, that's totally fair. it's all, it's all, it's all part of the fun.
0: Yeah, you point, you point to that when they get an all pro, you're like, Hey bro, I got that for you. You owe yep, me.
1: Exactly. I want, a, I want a Christmas card. That's what Nobody I want. Something tells
0: me they won't, um,
1: I don't think so. I think they're going to old take expose me more than anything else. I'll, I'll yeah, you're, that. you're
0: way more likely to get burnt here than you are to like win. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just tough to win that one. I
1: don't uh, think I'm getting a no, thank no. you. I, I don't think I'm getting a thank you.
0: No, no, I don't think you are either. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like when the, when the Eagles barely made the playoffs after the Super Bowl year, when I had like Lane Johnson had come after me, because I said that I thought the Eagles were a candidate to miss the playoffs. Um, I didn't get like a, you know what? You were right. We did make the playoffs. It was sort of a fluke. You were right. We, you know, we, we weren't as good as we were. We took, we regressed. Nobody, nobody was like, great job. You got it. You know, but if I, if they had been good, people would have been lighting me up from day one. That's just how this business works. I deal with it sometimes. Uh, okay. Let's get to the guards. So, uh, on the guards, as we mentioned, Quentin Nelson, number one and
1: centers and centers. Oh, all, all interior
0: alignment. Sorry. Did the center make, Oh, who made the,
1: well, Jason Kelsey.
0: Oh, you're right. Okay. Sorry. I missed it. Um, Zach Martin 2, Quentin Nelson 1, Zach Martin 2, Jason Kelsey 3, Joe Tooney 4, Brandon Scherf 5, David DeCaster 6, Ryan Jensen 7, Allie Marpet 8, Joel Batonio 9, and Rodney Hudson 10. Did you get as much – I'm sure there had to be less heat on interior offensive linemen than tackles, right?
1: Yeah, my mentions weren't being uh lit on fire <laughs> like they were with the offensive tackles. I, I think Jensen retweeted it, but I, I think that that was really the the biggest action I got on it. There was I didn't think I got anybody really going after me on this one.
0: Ryan Jensen, I, like,
1: I will say this though, B Mac did get after me on HQ for it. He had a gripe about Joe Tooney being too high. Where do you think on that? And was I was I showing a little New England bias on that one? Uh,
0: I think you could. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think Joe Tooney's awesome. I think I know, maybe could, like. Uh, you know what B-Mac was mad about? He's mad DeCastro's below Tooney. But again, like, I think you're projecting a little bit, too. Like, to- Tooney's an ascending player who's set to get a huge contract. DeCastro, guys, is David DeCastro at this point, is he, is he, he's in his 30s, isn't he? At least.
1: Yeah. yeah, so with Tooney, just turned thirty
0: in January, right?
1: With Tooney again, I see him a little bit closer than 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 a, than a lot of these guys. Most of these guys, because I'm in New England, I, I write a lot about the Patriots. Yeah. I cover the Patriots on pretty much a weekly basis during the regular season. And the thing that impressed me most about him was. Just the chaos around him over the course of a season where David Andrews, who was a stud during the Super Bowl run, he's out for the year, unfortunately, because he has blood clots in his lungs. You know, just a crazy yeah. circumstance. Looks like he's coming back, but he missed all last season. Isaiah Wynn, who was the first round pick in 2018, the higher first pick. Oh, before Sony Michelle, he was supposed to be their left tackle. He missed all of his rookie season and then all of a sudden misses a ton of time. I think like, you know, half the games because he was dealing with another injury. So now you're talking about Joe Tooney not having his starting center, not having his starting left tackle. And he still only allowed one sack last year. Like it's just, he still gave you elite play on the left side while he's working pretty much with backups the entire time. So I just thought it was so impressive that if all of a sudden you give him back David Andrews and if Isaiah Wynn comes back healthy, that whole side of the offensive line, it's a whole, it's a whole, it's an entirely different group.
0: Yeah. What do you think, what do you think David Andrews is going to do? Cause he has that compromised immune system thing. Does he come it's back? It's really
1: interesting. You know, it's like, it's, it's like a lot of these guys like James Connor is the same way. Like, you know, how do you, how do you deal with this stuff? So, yeah. you know, it's going to be up to him. It seems like he's coming back. Like from everything that we hear, he's on the road to recovery, ready to ready to begin the year. But you know, this is an uncertain time, so so who knows?
0: Where where are your tiers at for this, for the interior guys? Because, I mean, I think probably put Zach Martin with Quentin Nelson and then there's a drop-off maybe?
1: Yeah, I prob- I think I kind of looked at it like one through three. You know, you're okay. getting you're getting just, you know, unbelievable. You know, best at their positions pretty much all the way around. Jason Kelsey still, for my money, the best center in the NFL. Pretty much dictates how they run the football.
0: But, so he, like, me- he's so fast. Like, it's crazy how quick he is pulling – I mean, like he's not necessarily as big as like a Quentin Nelson who who gets out there as well, but like, and obviously a different position. But I mean, he he directs that offense, and he and like if if they don't have his speed at that position and his nimbleness to to pull and all that, I don't think their offense is nearly as
1: effective. He he's just he's, he's incredible in my mind. So like you know, those three are kind of in that first tier, and then it's kind of everybody else because you can make a case, you can kind of make a case from like you know again like f- like four through like twelve. You can find guys that can, you know, can slot up and all that. And really it just, again, these are all the best at what they do. And it's really like, you know, it's a top 10, but we're talking about really like top threes because I'm taking centers. I'm taking left guards and right guards. Like, so it's really, really fine. And I'm kind of really, you know, threading the needle here as to who makes this list and who doesn't. But like, you know, you get, you get absolutely insane guys, even at number 10, Ronnie Hudson, I think pro football focus had him as the best uh, pass blocking center in the entire NFL. So like, you know, you're getting a guy that's at the back end of this list, but is, you know, looked exactly at in, in one
0: position, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And he's looked at it one category being the very best at his position. So right. it, it's tough to kind of find. But find well, it's things. also like,
0: too, it's like, depends, like, what scheme, like, are they in a scheme that, that you know, that utilizes their best skill set? Um, yeah. you know, like if you, Zach Martin would be, Zach Martin's an awesome pass protector and run blocker, but like you don't, or, versus Quentin Nelson. You wouldn't want Quentin Nelson on a team that has seven hundred dropbacks a game a year, you know, like you just you want you want him grading dudes down and getting like getting on them and just burying guys in the run game. Like you need that as part of his game. Um, and so that that I mean that factors in too. I think.
1: Yeah, no, and to me, like if you look at like Tampa Bay too, like the interior of of their line, like. It's going to get a lot more pump. Like, yeah, I have two Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this offensive line, you know, these line rankings, because it's kind of going into this year. Yes, the offensive tackle positions for the Bucs weren't particularly great, but the interior was really good. I was, I was making the case when Brady was a free agent. I'm like, listen. This defense is pretty good. There's a ton of weapons, and, like, if they draft a tackle or two, the interior of this line, pro football focus was pumping them up pretty pretty high even before all this Brady stuff and going into the year. So now you have, a, you know, a stud center. You have a, a strong left guard. Like, they're, they're going to be really highlighted a lot, similar to, like, Joe Tooney and Shaq Mason and all those guys in New England. They're going to get that same shine going into 2020.
0: Yeah, and like if Tristan Worf comes in and like, that's one of the other things too, is his job's gonna be easier. Now if he comes in and he plays really well, I mean he, you know, he, he might make, I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna make a Pro Bowl, but I mean he's gonna get some, you know, some rookie love for playing on a line that has two guys who are good on the interior there. Mark Petman, I remember he was, was a second round pick in 2015 out of, uh, what college did he go to? I can't remember. He can
1: was, I uh, oh, it was the, I was wrote a B2 about school. it. Oh, uh, Hobart because yeah. a buddy of mine uh played, played against him once. It was, and it was uh, like a, you know, it was a scrub game. He he played D three, absolutely got annihilated from him, but he never lets us forget it. Like, Oh, you know, I went up against NFL caliber talent. I'm like, okay. <laughs> buddy, congratulations.
0: I remember writing about Ali, uh, Ali Marpet at the combine because he just came out of nowhere. The um, guys don't do that anymore. Now in 20, 2020, you know, second round picks Pixar. Uh, all know. right. Any other final thoughts on the interior offensive line there? That no, thing. I mean,
1: like, listen, that, I don't think we, I think we hit everything. I mean, the only one that really was the one that stood out to me, cause I was oh, doing Brandon a lot of Brooks. research. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Brooks is the big one, right? Like, I think that he's the biggest snub here. Like, you know, I mentioned Shaq Mason, again, similar to Joe Tooney, just cause I've seen it more so than anything else. But Brandon Brooks, I mean, like, if I did this list, you know, I think I did, I think I actually wrote it like, like a week and a half ago or something like that. If I did it like three days prior, yeah. He would be in, you know, he'd be in that top tier. No, no doubt about it. He'd be in the top five. I don't know exactly where I would have put him, but just a shame for him because he is legitimately one of the best at his position.
0: Yeah. Debo had a note in there said, how could he leave Brady Brooks out there? There's not enough Eagles on these <laughs> things. Well, Herbals, it, it, is what it is
1: just the injury. F, F this list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Taylor Luan. Uh Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, no, look, I don't, I, I like. I like both lists. I think they're both good. I mean, you know, the Trent Williams thing is probably one where you can, when you can nitpick and maybe you want Taylor Lewan in there and we'll see how Jack Conklin does in his new landing spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, by and large, I think he did a great job. Nobody should, uh, nobody should be breaking you, breaking you back there, Sully. By the way, yeah, I I'm uh, was I wish way doing way. radio interviews as a, as a, as a redneck. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> uh, like, I'm gonna talk like they I'm call me. Like, yeah, listen. Here's the thing. You watch him pulling as a center, and you really get the sense he can get to the second level and get after those linebackers, knock them down. Pretty cool stuff. Just like just see if people keep inviting me, or if they like that gets me disinvited.
1: I don't know why, but it just like a southern accent makes it sound like you know football a little bit more too. It just feels Four. like okay. you feel like you get a little bit more.
0: Debo, can you? How long would you last producing this podcast if I did a redneck accent every day on the show? And how long <laughs> would I last hosting the show?
1: I mean, you do it 6% of every podcast regardless. So, um, I, I I don't know. I think, you know, mixing it in there, was that your Jerry or was that your friend Zeke that you, you just did right there? That was
0: just sort of my, if I was a redneck voice.
1: Okay. Well, it, it aligns very closely with your Jerry Jones.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and my George Bush and my, and my Zeke. Yeah. They're all pretty similar. Um,
1: out of all the accents you do, you mix in the British accent, you mix in some other ones. That is the best, I will say.
0: Uh, like, Sully, Like, if I were like, if I were boss, I think I would like a full, like, full, like, chowda. Like, just like, just lean yeah, in, full, just
1: full, full south, self, full selfie at the end of the bar. Sal- a little yeah. one too many, just start screaming about the parcel days.
0: That's, <laughs> that's, that's right. I, I, I just think it'd be fun to like see what would happen if you were doing a radio interview and, and talking like that. Would people be like, "What? What is going on? Why is this happening?" Although, like, yours is probably a little more prominent underneath than maybe I don't. Mine is not. I don't know if my southern accent is necessarily even out there like it's i don't feel like yeah, i have. not a, bad it's not distinct really people like have asked me if i'm from honestly florida
1: honestly i have i have the, the 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 least accent in my entire family i got like a family of plumbers so they're just like screaming in boston <laughs> oh, God, accents like it's it's that it's it is it's so quite a sight. It is christmas
0: quite a sight. at the at the Sullies is like is like a full-blown like Southie party that's
1: awesome. It is you know, alarmingly stereotypical. It is.
0: Uh, well, in, in my defense, in, well, in your defense, I mean, "Christmas to the Bronx" is al- also alarmingly stereotypical. <laughs> Uh We got. Let's do some good, man. We got. Um, anyway, let's get out of here. I don't know what we're rambling about. Uh, great list, Sully. Follow him. Uh, is it at Tyler Sullivan on Twitter? I think yes. At Tyler Sullivan. And Tyler Sully, that's right. That's how we actually ended up with the Sully part in the first place. I My brain's not operating. Download, review, five stars. We'll keep you a Mailbag Mondays throughout the course of the season. Uh, coming up tomorrow, quarterbacks with Sean Wagner-McGuff. Thanks, Sully.